Good morning. Deception is a sin. Yeah? It's like lying, making someone else believe something that's not true. I mean, it's definitely wrong. But self-deception is much worse. It's fatal. If I deceive myself, who's going to undeceive me? If I have convinced myself of the truth of something, who's going to all of a sudden get into my mind and prove me wrong? It's a very scary position to be in. Well, this morning we're going to be studying Judas Iscariot. How do we think of Judas? What picture comes to mind? Come on, fess up. If you're like me, you think of a dark, sinister, ugly, horrible person. Someone who's like the very epitome of all that's evil. But he wasn't that way to begin with. We've got to remember that he was one of the 12 disciples. And he worked with them. He worked as a member of them. Peter, speaking about Judas, says in Acts, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. When the Lord said on the night that he was betrayed, he said uh, at dinner, talking to the disciples, he said, one of you will betray me. And you notice that everyone doesn't say, oh, yeah, well, that's going to be Judas. No. What's their response? They say, Lord, is it I? Is it I who's going to betray you? It wasn't obvious that it was Judas who was going to betray the Lord. We read in John six sixty four, <coughs> Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. So Jesus knew from the beginning. Did Judas himself know from the beginning that he was going to betray the Lord? Do you think he thought of himself as that evil disciple? The one who's a snake in the grass, deceiving everybody else. One of these days, I'm going to sell Jesus. And that's why I joined the disciples in the first place. No, absolutely not. Why do you think Judas came to Jesus in the first place? Probably for many of the same reasons that everyone else came. Jesus was to all appearances the Messiah. He was a great teacher. He worked incredible miracles. He taught wonderful spiritual truths. The Messiah. Now, of course, realize that to Judas's way of thinking, into the way of thinking of the Jews back then, the Messiah was a king who would deliver the Jews from the Romans and set up a Jewish empire. <coughs> Those closest to him would probably receive high places throughout the kingdom. So Judas comes to follow the Lord. Here's the Messiah. And early on in Jesus' ministry, Judas distinguishes himself as one of the closest men to the Lord. One of those who would uh, be chosen by the Lord himself to be one of his disciples. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Luke six twelve.
Now it came to pass in those days that he, that's Jesus, went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. (coughs) And from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. Notice, Judas also became a traitor. He didn't start out that way. He became a traitor. And he's chosen along with the others. It's not like there were these 11 and then Judas was kind of tagging along with everybody else, hoping to kind of be part of the group. No, he was chosen. One of the 12. He followed, Judas followed Jesus daily, listening to him and watching his miracles, admiring him. He's called, in another place in the Bible, Judas is called a familiar friend of the Lord. He participated in the events that we read about as a member of the disciples. For example, you remember they're crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Jesus is asleep in the stern. All the disciples, one of them is Judas, sees a storm coming up. The boat's beginning to fill with water. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus calms the storm. Judas sees this. Feeding the 5,000. This is a big crowd. Jesus has been teaching them all day. They're hungry. That his disciples come up to him, Lord, send them away. They've got to eat something. I mean, they're not going to be able to eat here. Well, what have you got? We've got five loaves and two fish. That's about all the food on hand. Well, Jesus multiplies it. He gives it to the disciples. They pass it out to everybody. Judas is one of those guys. Judas himself witnessed firsthand. He participated in that miracle. The demon-possessed boy. If you remember, the father comes. <coughs> Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And the father comes and says, Lord, I brought, I brought this, my, my son to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. Yeah, Judas was one of those guys who was, you know, trying to heal the boy. The Lord sent out his disciples two by two, preaching and healing. Judas was one of those. It wasn't two by two and then there was this one guy by himself and Judas went off into a corner and sulked. No, it's two by two. Judas was one of those guys. He was a member of this group, preaching, teaching the kingdom of God. Think of all the miracles he saw. Healing the lepers, giving sight to the blind, Jesus making the lame to walk, casting out demons out of people, raising the dead. People are healed when they just touch him. And Jesus can heal others at a distance by just commanding it to be done. This has got to be the Messiah. I can imagine that Judas probably dreamed one day of being one of Jesus' right-hand men in the kingdom. You know, we know many of the other disciples did. Lord, when you set up your throne, I want to sit on your right hand and this guy over here, he's going to sit on your left. So just so we get that clear. That, that's how it's going to be when you set up your kingdom. Yeah, all the other disciples were thinking that. Judas sincerely considered himself to be a disciple of the Lord. But of course, something was different about Judas. That no one except Jesus, not even Judas himself at first realized. The other disciples had genuine faith and he didn't. They trusted the Lord and believed in him. And Judas didn't. Now, early on, Judas had to feel deep down inside that something was wrong, something was different. 
Lee just pushes it to the side. You know, we don't need to think about that. Begins to deceive himself. I'm okay. I'm, I'm like everybody else. As time goes by and Judas continues to follow the Lord, however, indicators begin to rise to the surface. <coughs> Maybe he's not the same as everybody else. We read in John 12 that Judas was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put into it. Okay, stealing's inconsistent with the Lord's teaching. Judas even knows from the law that stealing is wrong. But rather than accept the fact that this could be evidence of a serious spiritual problem, you can imagine he explained it away. Well, I mean, it's not really that bad. You know, he continues to deceive himself. It, it's okay. It's, it's okay, so, you know, maybe I'm, I'm doing a little bit. I mean, even the, even the other disciples apparently knew about it because John writes about it. They, they seem to know that he took what was put into the money box. They must not have considered it to be that serious. What I'm doing isn't really that wrong. I'm okay. Maybe something else arises. The Lord Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. What? I can imagine that that didn't ring very well, very true with Judas. Take up my cross? You want me to deny myself? That's not something that I'm willing to do. I don't want to do that. Hmm. It's funny that I react that way when I hear Jesus say that. Everybody else doesn't seem to, that doesn't seem to bother them that much, but it bothers me. I wonder if there's something wrong. I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I can, I can still be a disciple of the Lord if I don't really believe everything he says. I mean, it's okay. Sure, I'm a little different, but it's, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's okay. I, I'm talking to myself, you'll notice. I'm, I'm tricking myself. I, I'm deceiving myself. I'm okay, even though I know that there's something that's not right here. Could this happen today? People come to the Lord for a variety of reasons. Problems in their life, a sense of spiritual need, you know, many things. And that's great. That's wonderful. They're coming to the Lord. That, that's excellent. <coughs> and sometimes one of these makes a sincere profession. But they don't have true faith. They're not evil. False professors. Those evil people who try and trick you into thinking they're not saved. They're really saved and they're not. No, they're not evil. They're, they're just deceived. But as time goes on, indicators begin to arise that maybe these people aren't truly saved. And that's where the problem comes in. Because rather than accept the truth, a person like this will deceive himself, will deceive herself. They'll start to push the facts away as they start to see them. I, I, I just don't want to think about that. In James, it's written, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. The hearing is there. Be hearers of the word. Yeah, be, uh, be, be doers of the word and not hearers only. I, I'm coming to church. I'm hearing the Bible. Maybe I even read it regularly myself. But my life doesn't show it. I'm not a doer. I know that I'm not really living like the Bible says, but I'm not going to think about it. 
James says that person is deceiving himself. That person is tricking himself. It's scary. I mean, if you make yourself believe something that's not true and you start acting on the basis of that thing being true that isn't true. Someone like this could come to church every Sunday, serve in the local assembly, have people over to dinner, and to all appearances, they're just like everybody else. And not only do they appear like everybody else, they themselves think they're like everybody else. Judas, I considered himself one of the disciples, absolutely, or he's not going to stick around that long. Yeah, I'm one of the, I'm one of the disciples. There are certain things that have come up, but I'm just going to not think about those things. Deep down, though, of course, these people realize they're different. There are inconsistencies in their lives. But they refuse to face up to the facts. And they simply push them aside, deceiving themselves into thinking that they're all right when they're not. Someone like this may stay through trying times. Judas did. In John, we're going to look at it in a second, the Lord Jesus has just gotten through teaching some pretty difficult stuff to understand. Some stuff that, if you listen to it, I mean, it's, it's really deep stuff about salvation, but it's a little hard to understand at first. <coughs> and many disciples just said, okay, forget it, that's it, I'm going. And they left. Turn, please, actually, there. That's John chapter 6, verse 66. Not many chapters have 66 verses in them, but this is one of them. John 6, verse 66. So Jesus has just gotten finished teaching this difficult stuff. And it says many uh, were offended when they heard this. And from that time, verse 66, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, the 12 disciples, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. So Jesus gave him the opportunity. Do you also want to go? Why didn't Judas go? I mean, we know that Judas didn't have the faith that the other disciples had. Why didn't Judas take this opportunity to just, you know, go away? Momentum. A train on a track is hard to stop. You pull the brakes on a train, I don't care if you put them on all the way, the train is not going to stop in a foot, particularly if it's going 80 miles an hour. You pull the brakes on, it's going to be a while before that train finally comes to a stop. Because it's got so much forward movement. Well, I believe that that was the case with Judas. He'd have to go back on so much if he left now. He's one of the 12 closest men to the Lord. What would people say? What would they think if he left? Maybe he has close friends among the disciples. I, can, I don't know, maybe Thaddeus was one of his friends, a good friend of his, that they, they were kind of, 
you know, two, two buddies that would kind of hang out, you know, maybe as the 12 were walking down the road, he and Thaddeus would talk a lot. I don't know. And how, how's he all of a sudden going to go up to Thaddeus and say, well, uh, you know, I, Thad, I've decided that I really can't stick around and I'm going to go. How's he going to explain that after all this time of being a co-disciple with him? But most importantly, Judas would have to accept that he's been deceiving himself all this time that he doesn't truly believe the Lord. He'd have to acknowledge both to himself and to others that he hasn't been honest all this time, that he doesn't really have faith like the other disciples do. And something like that is too hard for him. Exactly the same thing happens today. What would everyone say if I acknowledged where I really am spiritually? I've seen these evidences. I've pushed them away, but I know they're there. Some of these things that I'm doing wrong that aren't in the Bible, things that are consistently make me think that there's something different about me, all these thoughts that I have, just just this nagging, I know something's not right, but what's everyone going to say if I acknowledge that? Do I want to go there myself? Do I want to admit to myself that I'm unsaved? After all this time, I don't want to have to go back to square one. It's much easier for me to keep going the way that I am. Just keep on. So Judas goes through three years of this. We don't know of them, but I mean, there were instances, there had to be, because he doesn't have the faith that the other disciples had. Little things coming up, and Jesus says something, and it just totally rubs Judas the wrong way. He doesn't agree with that at all. He does something consistently that's wrong. I mean, of course, everybody sins, but something's different about him, and he knows it from the other disciples, but he just doesn't want to think about it. Three whole years of this. But things start to happen towards the end of the Lord's ministry. First thing is, he be, the Lord begins to talk about his impending death. We read in Matthew that from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Jesus is showing that he's not the king everyone's expecting. He's going to die instead. Jesus says this many times, three times, different times it's recorded in the Bible that he says this to the disciples, but they all kind of seem to ignore it, you know, dismiss it. They're in denial about that. What? You die? I mean, you're going to be the Messiah. You're going to be the king who rules and throws off the Roman rule and everything. But nonetheless, for most of them, this isn't the dividing line. They truly have faith in Jesus and they stay faithful to him even when things get hard, even when things appear to be going incredibly wrong. They're still there. And their faith is ultimately strengthened when the Lord rises from the dead. He comes back to them. The, uh, the other 11, yeah. And they go on to do great things for him. But it's different for Judas. It is the dividing line for him. He's not willing to accept this. Jesus is going to die? 
I've been following him, but Jesus is, Jesus is going to reign? What, what about all this stuff that was supposed to happen? Something's wrong here. Another thing that happens is the anointing at Bethany. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 12. <coughs> we'll begin in verse 1. John chapter 12. This is just a little while before the crucifixion. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they served him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a very costly oil, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Hmm. Things aren't really going the way that Judas was hoping that they would. Number one, Jesus reiterates he's going to die again. And not only that, he wants the money to go to waste. We know that this was something, as we just read in the passage, Judas used to take what was put in the money box. Evidently, money meant something to him. And it didn't mean anything to Jesus. Well, it did, but not in the sense that Judas was thinking. Jesus would just as soon see all that money go down, just get washed away. And in addition to this, Judas gets rebuked by Jesus. I can't imagine that that was very pleasant for him. Of course, some of the other disciples were rebuked by Jesus, and they took it fine. Peter, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, that's what Jesus said to him, but Peter didn't go away. But different for Judas. It's interesting, the value of the Lord that Mary places. She considers the Lord worthy of this. This is, at least the footnote in my Bible says, this is about one year's wages, uh, an entire year's wages that this perfume costs that she poured on the feet of the Lord Jesus. And not only that, but she wiped his feet with her hair, her glory as the Bible calls it, to wipe the feet of Jesus. It's a wonderful act of worship. I love it. But for Judas, it was, it was a waste. Yeah, Jesus is a good teacher and everything, but he's not worth all that. And then what would probably have been for him the big turning point is the triumphal entry. You'll remember the triumphal entry. It's a really unusual event in the life of the Lord. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Everyone is cheering. Hail, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, uh, glory to God. And it's great. You know, the, the crowds are there. They're all excited. And then nothing happens. The street sweepers kind of come by and clean up the debris and the crowds go home. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa what, what just happened? You can imagine Judas. Lord, this was your big chance. This was it. This was your time to proclaim yourself the Messiah. 
why doesn't he take advantage of this big opportunity? This was it. And he doesn't do anything about it. So what's this going to mean for Judas? He's not going to have a superior place in the kingdom because there's not going to be a kingdom. That's very evident. At this point, Jesus isn't going to take advantage of a time like that. It, it's just not going to happen. He's not going to be rich. Instead, he's probably going to be persecuted, going to be poor. It's, I mean, if Jesus, Jesus isn't going to you know, be, be, make himself king there. He's probably going to keep being persecuted. Maybe Judas himself is going to be martyred if he keeps following Jesus. This is not what he signed up for in the first place. This isn't where he wanted to go with it. Again, he doesn't have the faith of the other disciples. His dreams are beginning to come crashing down around him. It's never going to happen. Jesus is never. I'm going to kind of start giving up at this point. This time could come to many that choose the route that Judas chose. Things begin to get tough. It becomes evident the Lord is not just here to fix my problems. He's here to rule my life. Things aren't going to go the way I was thinking they were going to. I never asked for this. I did not want to give up my sin. I didn't want to have to all of a sudden give up myself and live for Jesus. This, isn't, this is not what I was thinking about when I was decided to be a Christian. So what's Judas going to do? Things are obviously going south as far as he's concerned. Jesus isn't the guy he thought he was going to be. Well, let's look. Turn, please, to Luke chapter 22. Be a left turn. <clears throat> Verse 1, <clears throat> Luke chapter 22. A disillusioned man. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, named, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Let's take a step back. What's Judas's thinking here? Remembering again that he didn't come, he didn't join for this moment. He's joined just as another disciple. I've got to take care of myself. Things aren't turning out the way I expected them to turn out. I'm not going to get what I wanted by staying with Jesus. So let's see if maybe I can get what I'm after by leaving him. There's no faith in Jesus. The rest of the disciples say, stay with the Lord. So Judas wants to take care of himself. But he's still deceiving himself. He's not all of a sudden in his own mind turning bad, turning evil, you know, this mean, shriveled up guy. No. Jesus, from his, from his way of thinking now, Jesus is probably just a confused teacher. You know, I mean, he, was, maybe he thought he was going to be the Messiah. He didn't take advantage of his opportunity. You know, things just, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's, he's probably not the guy after all. But he'll get off. He, I mean, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll deliver him up to the chief priest. He's a good guy. Look, I know him. I've been with him for three years. They're not going to convict him. He's done nothing but good. Okay, I'll deliver him up to the chief priest. They'll pay me money. I'll, I'll get some money out of it, and I'll get in good with the, with the chief priests. 
uh, who are the religious leaders. They're the leaders of the whole society. So, you know, I'll get my place back in society. Jesus will get off. Maybe he'll learn a lesson by this and everything's going to be okay. Well, that's what he's deceiving himself into thinking. If he can only think what he's doing, selling the Son of God, Satan himself is now involved. It's very scary. Now, Judas, now, don't get this wrong. Judas is not a devil worshiper. If you were to mention Satan to Judas, he would recoil. Oh, the devil, he's awful. But he's so self-deceived at this point that an action proposed by Satan himself doesn't seem bad. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. Selling the Son of God. Devil's tempting him to do it. Okay, well, I can explain it away to myself. I've deceived myself that far. Judas has resisted the Lord's leading for three years. He's been deceiving himself, and now he's being led by the devil. So all 12 disciples now and Jesus now sit down for the Passover dinner together. I imagine that Judas still thought he was okay. I mean, you're not going to go around doing something evil, knowing you're doing something evil, and thinking, I'm being evil. You're going to, I mean, he's going to be explaining it away to himself. I can imagine he still thinks that he's okay. Turn, please, to Mark chapter 14. They're all sitting down to dinner, all 12 disciples, Judas among them, one of them. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 17. In the evening, Jesus came with the twelve. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. And to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. It's interesting, the Lord's choice of words. One of you. He doesn't single out Judas. He doesn't take them aside. Look, I just want you guys to understand this. Judas is going to go and betray me. No, he doesn't. He says, One of you. All the disciples get a chance to look at and consider themselves and to say, and to realize, yeah, you know what? I'm capable of it. It's good for them to realize that. Judas also gets an opportunity to repent. Even at this point, Lord, you're right. It is me. I've been wrong all this time. I haven't wanted to acknowledge it, but you know what? All these problems that I've been seeing in my life, I need to acknowledge them and take care of business. Please forgive me. He doesn't do this. I mean, it'd be so hard. It's practically impossible for him to repent at this point. He's gone too far. He's tricked himself so far into thinking, his thinking so perverted, there's no way anymore that he's going to undeceive himself. He can't turn back now. So Jesus gives a piece of bread to Judas and then turn to John 13. See what happens next. John 13, verse 27. 
Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered Judas. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to them, to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately. And it was night. Well, Judas doesn't repent, as we said. He doesn't say, Lord, yeah, it's me. And he receives his last thing from the hand of the Lord, a piece of bread, and right after the piece of bread enters, Satan enters. And Jesus stops trying to bring him to repentance. Jesus just wants him to get it over with. Just, just, just do it. Just do it quickly. It's a scary thing when the Lord says to you, go ahead and sin. Obviously, the Lord's not commanding him to sin, but Judas has so decided the Lord's not going to plead with him anymore. Okay, fine, go ahead. Do what you're going to do. Go ahead and sin. You're going to do it. Just, 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 just go do it. You're past the point of me trying to bring you to repentance. Satan enters him, and Judas leaves. And it was night. How dark. How dark was it in Judas's soul? All this time he's been rejecting the Lord. All this time he's been pushing away the evidence that there's something wrong. Until finally he gets to the point where it seems perfectly okay to him to sell Jesus. How dark of a night is it for him? Well, as they say, it's all over but the shouting now. Judas goes and gets the chief priests and assembles a small army. And then he leads them to where he knows Jesus is going to be. Yeah, I heard, you know, we were talking at the table that we're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane afterwards, so that's where we're going to get him. And the agreed-upon sign, because, I mean, you know, maybe they won't be able to pick Jesus out of, among the other 11 disciples. Well, I'll give him a kiss. How I? Judas doesn't love Jesus. What he's doing now is like the exact antithesis of love. So Judas comes with his band. You just see Jesus. We all know from the other Gospels, Jesus has just said, Arise, see my betrayer come. So here comes Judas. Jesus looks at him. Friend, why have you come? Friend. That would have cut me to the quick. Just like to Adam. Adam, where are you in the Garden of Eden? Another question. Judas, friend, why have you come? Think about what you're doing before you do it. Why have you come? Have you come to sell me? Judas goes up to him and kisses him. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Oh, if you only knew what you were doing, boy, you'd kiss me for a different reason. 
Turn please to John 18. I see this is probably directly after those two comments by the Lord Jesus. Judas has just kissed the Lord. John chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. Notice the italicized word, he. Jesus said, I am. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Judas also stood with them. He's changed sides completely now. He's with those who are out to get the Lord. He's no longer on the Lord's side. He's against Jesus. And as a result, he feels the full weight of Jesus' I am declaration. He's one of those who falls back at Jesus' words. Jesus proclaims himself to be the king of the universe, the eternal God, the I am. That's the title that he used when he was talking to Moses. Say, I am sent you. Jesus says to them, I am. And they have no choice but to fall back in awe at God. And Judas is right there with them. Reminds me of the great white throne where all the dead will be judged. We read that from the person who sits on the throne, from his face, the earth and the heaven fled away. Those who choose to follow Judas' example, to constantly deceive themselves, push away those warning signs Think about it. Are you really saved? Don't deceive yourself. They're going to have a similar experience to Judas. Of course, though, the Lord is merciful here. He doesn't destroy those who came to capture him. Instead, he's led off to trial. And he's condemned. It kind of knocks out that little bit of deception that Judas was giving himself. Well, Jesus isn't really going to get condemned. I mean, he'll get off. He's okay. Well, no, he didn't. They condemned him to die, and guess whose fault that is? Turn, please, to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, starting in verse 3. Judas really feels the need of a friend now. He betrayed Jesus and, he was, and Jesus was condemned. Verse 3, Then Judas's betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What's that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Well, Judas went to his new friends. He left his original friend. That's a capital F for friend. He went to his new friends. And what's their response? Does the world care about him? No. Okay, so you sin by betraying innocent blood, and your point is... 
What? That's 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 not our problem. That, that you you take care of it. They don't care for Judas. They never did. Imagine if he'd said this to Jesus. Do you think Jesus would have cared for him? Imagine if he'd done this before. What would Jesus' response have been? It's too late now. Jesus is off being whipped. I can't, he can't go to Jesus anymore. It's too late. And it's too late also for Judas anyway. He's not repentant. Notice he's remorseful. Said he was remorseful. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver. It does not say that Judas was repentant. If he'd been repentant, he would have gone to God. He didn't go to God. He's past the point of repentance. He's very much like Esau. We read about him in Hebrews. says that he found no place for repentance. Even though he sought it diligently with tears, he's not going to repent. It's too late. He can't live with himself anymore. So he decides to end his own life rather than having to go on living with his guilt. I can't take it. I can't take what I've just done. It's too much for me. But I can't repent. I'd rather die. What a sad ending to a disciple of the Lord. One who is so close to God himself. Peter. Peter went on to preach... Let all the house of Israel know assuredly God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. John wrote the wonderful words, God is love. Thomas, according to tradition, took the gospel to India. Judas deceived himself. I'm okay. There's indicators that my faith isn't like, that I don't have faith like everybody else, but I'm not going to think about that. What did Judas do? Judas went and hanged himself. People come to the Lord for a variety of reasons. Health issues, financial issues, marital problems. They want a girlfriend. They want a boyfriend. Maybe I'll get married. That's an okay starting point. You're coming to Jesus. But the Christian life is Christ-centered. It's not me-centered. The Lord is looking for self-denial. There's a popular representation of Jesus today, but don't be deceived by it, and don't deceive yourself with it. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you leave us examples that we can look at, examples that we don't have to follow. Lord, thank you that we can see the terrible end result (coughs) of deceiving yourself. Lord, thank you that we don't have to follow that. Lord, thank you that for everyone here, it's not too late. Lord, if there's someone here, I pray, if there's someone who is self-deceived, 
Lord, may that person be honest with themselves. Come to you on your terms, Lord. We pray that that person would be a doer of your word and not just a hearer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.